I'm Sarah Kim. I'm a rising second year MARC 1 candidate. Okay, my name is Lily Abutu, going into second year of the MARC 1 program mm -hmm. at Yale University. Um, yeah, like both of us are quarantining right now with like family members. Um, so I guess, like strictly speaking, we're literally not alone. Um, mm -hmm. But I'm wondering if, like, you're also still feeling this, like, really weird, unshakable sense of, like, loneliness or isolation, because that's definitely something that I've been contending with. Because I feel like, you know, you and I have also had conversations pre-COVID, like, before all this happened, about the way you sort of move through our school and how isolating that experience can be, given that you are the only Black female student that we have at the architecture school. How has that shifted for you? I think it's shifted. In the beginning, I would say it was there, but I think at, at school, it's like a different sort of thing. It's more of a visual. It's something that's reinforced by definitely what I'm seeing in front of me. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess at home is like sort of where I sort of like relax those tense muscles in my back. I think being at home helped with that, definitely, um, where I'm not self-aware in that way. Um, mm -hmm. If I was back in school, of course, it wouldn't, maybe I wouldn't have as much of that sense of isolation, but I would have like this very much self-consciousness as I was moving about through my day. I think also just because I, I, I feel like I have like so many analog hobbies, <laughs> which mm -hmm. I've like now started to do. Um, like what? Well, uh, you know, like my <laughs> cross-stitching, like an old woman. <laughs> I love I've, that, though. <laughs> yeah, I've started doing, like, physical collages. And then I'm, like, making this... It's, like, crocheting, but it's sort of like making a rug, I guess. With mm. the, oh, I love like, that. Like, really thick yarn. Those are my outlets. I've been trying to read more, but I really just don't have the concentration lately. Yeah. I just need yeah, something no. that's more therapeutic, you know, with, like, a repetitive motion. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. I think those are definitely helping me out. What are your thoughts on just like isolation and maybe the feelings you have now? Yeah, I think um, that isolation thing is like so real, and so heavy and has just like produced a lot of weird, like psychic tension and like pain in some ways. Um, but also, you know, I, I like put it into context of just like, what I imagine a lot of other people must be feeling too, like the, the greater degree to which people are probably dealing with that. And I think that's, that's sort of been the key for me in my isolation is to find that connection to other people's like supposed isolation and loneliness. And maybe in that way, you're this like weird community of everybody being lonely together. <laughs> like, I don't know if that sounds depressing, but for me, like it's, it's sort of like a lifeline in that way. Uh, I wish I had more like crafty hobbies that I was sort of exploring, but with that sort of like mindless serial type of like activity, um, do you actually feel like that silence has been cluttered with thoughts and like? If I'm not doing that work, I think that's when everything mm. gets cluttered with thoughts. I remember um, right after George Floyd died and mm. um, the protests started. And I was like a lunatic because I wouldn't stop looking at the news and I was on Twitter and just like watching all these awful videos. And mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I think I mean, it we was all like, were. 
Yeah, it's just like, what? stop looking at this for your own <laughs> benefit. Your sanity, yeah. Yeah, but I couldn't stop. I was just like glued to it. And that was like an awful time. It's just like, I thought moving back home in the middle of semester created anxiety, but that was just like, <laughs> just like double anxiety. It was mm. awful. Like, I think it was during those times, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there was definitely a feeling of helplessness there. Eventually, I did log off social media um and even now i'm only on it sporadically like social media has been great especially for the black lives matter movement um Mm -hmm. but it's just not something i could stay plugged into all the time um i am like also curious like how you feel the experience is for like you and maybe others um at the school of architecture you know do you feel like like our respective like racial containments like isolate us from each other do you feel like um your struggles are somehow like totally set apart or perhaps like too specialized for even like other minority groups to engage meaningfully and to understand or do you feel some sort of community and solidarity and just like you know being visible hmm I don't know if I have like a definite answer for this, but mm-hmm. I do. Well, I was at New Haven. I used to take the their public bus to, you know, go do my gro- grocery shopping. Like I've done that several times, but it's just like always like as soon as I get on the bus, it's like mostly black faces. Mm-hmm. And then you, when you go to those shops that aren't Yale affiliated or very close to campus, uh, it's like a whole different side of town. Like, mm-hmm. even if you walk up Chapel Street, I remember one time thinking this because I walked up to CVS and then as, like, I came back down Chapel, it just, like, got less and less black. I walk into Rudolph Hall, there's, like, a black security guard, and then I go in the elevator, I go up to the sixth floor, and I'm, like, the only black woman. And it's just, like, I felt like I was being filtered. Mm. And I think... When my first weeks there, I was like, it just made me very uncomfortable to see a lot of black and brown faces on the street, but none of them really represented in the mm-hmm. building. So in that way, I definitely felt that divide. And I think that just like reinforced that self-consciousness yeah. of being the only one. Or you just see when you do see black or brown faces, you know, they're not teaching. They're mm-hmm. in the doing air quotations and the help, you know, they're the security guards, they're the people who help uh, sweep up or take out the garbage or do the housekeeping or it, it's just it's separated people by race and by class. I think mm-hmm. there's like mm-hmm. an intersection there, mm-hmm. which I really felt. Yeah, that's I mean, how because you are Korean, obviously, but there's not that many Koreans um, at the school. I don't know if you feel like the same level of community just by having the whole umbrella of Asian. Because <laughs> you're also American, so you're not, you know, from the old world. Quoting, air quotations again. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> so it's like a different, it's a different upbringing. It's a different culture. Like how much do you relate to that? Yeah, the thing you're bringing up, um, is something that I've been talking a lot about recently. I think there very much is this um, tension around this concept of like an Asian American consciousness and sort of the experience that a lot of us have felt, you know, current students and even some of the more recent graduates that I've been speaking to about how a lot of times we sort of are treated as like this one monolith and there isn't a lot of nuance um, and specificity and like scrutiny 
to our own individual identities um, and all the ways in which like our cultures and experiences are just like so different. And like, it's tough because it's like this weird thing of walking through Rudolph and like recognizing that there are a lot of people who do, you know, look like you in many ways. Um, but there it really isn't like a sense of like an us, you know? Like all my life in many ways, like this umbrella term of Asian American has made it so that I do embrace like all types of Asians, you know, whatever wins and failures are happening by an Asian American, like not even just the East Asians, but the South Asians um, and Southeast Asians, like you want to claim all of those people as yours. But at the same time, it it's not like an easy thing and it almost feels like too much. And it feels like you're not really doing justice to people's individuality. And like that itself sort of feeds back into that stereotype that Asians have, like, oh, we're all just the same. And I don't really know how to like start to parse that. But, you know, at the same time, too, like I, 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 I have a lot of guilt <laughs> around that um, sort of contending with like my own status as like a minority lacking proper visibility and recognition, but then also recognizing like where I am, like my position within the hierarchy of power in this country and my own proximity to whiteness. I will never pass as a white person um, and I will never be embraced fully as belonging to that club nor do I ever want to be but arguably like my my community is doing way better and historically we don't really have a great track record of showing up as really good allies um to the black community and like for me right now the more urgent call to action I think is sort of like rallying around support for black people and increasing that sort of visibility, especially within architecture. You know, I will never know firsthand what that must feel like to walk into a space the way that you do and just be like so hyper aware of how you stand out in relation to everybody else and just like how that sort of absence becomes like this huge presence that you can't ignore. I will never know that, but like I, I can, it's like this vibration that you pick up on. It's constantly there. It's totally nagging and it like freights the air with so much tension and I think you'd have to be like a deeply blind or unengaged person to, to you know to not feel that vibration so I think going into the next year like you know we've had a lot of conversations and how we're respectively working with you know EID and NOMAS initiatives and efforts like I, I would love to really short my own resources and like my energies and like my time commitments to really fix that issue just like this huge undercurrent of a lack of visibility as it specifically pertains to like our black and brown students at Yale I think a lot of people right now are sort of asking themselves like what is the right way to perform allyship like how do you show up and like meaningfully carve out spaces for people and how do you amplify the right voices like how do you do all this work that I think a lot of people are desperate to do now but do it in a way that that doesn't center like your experience of what's happening. Um, I think it's, um, I mean, it's been said before, but I think for most people, you say racist and, you know, they think of like the extremes, you know, they think of like <laughs> the clan, I guess, or just like, yeah. it's, or a swastika or just like, yeah, like undeniable examples of like yeah. bias and racism. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, if, they're like, well, I don't do those things, so I'm not racist. But I think what really wears you down on a day-to-day -day basis is like microaggressions, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. people, I think, don't like being called out on. Oh, yeah. Like overall, do you feel like there is a resistance on a lot of people's parts to changing their minds or sort of admitting like, yeah, you know, like that thing I said or the way that I was approaching this is, is wrong and I need to like walk it back? Yeah, I definitely think so. I think so mm -hmm. even with people 
who I might feel uh, a bit closer to, it's become the norm so much that no one wants to be told they're wrong. Mm -hmm. So like maybe one of the most like crucial steps to allyship is being okay with the fact that like you, you don't have it right the first time around and that there is like still so much room to grow and learn from your mistakes and just like being okay with the fact that you're probably going to get it wrong a lot more times in the future. Yeah. And I think, you know, no one wants to fail. No one wants to fail publicly. No one wants mm-hmm. to fail publicly and then have that be amplified. Um, oh yeah. Cause like cancel culture is like so yeah. huge. <laughs> it's so real. Yeah, Like your little missteps right now by like me calling you out on something racist is not going to ruin your life and like yeah, <laughs> your really reputation. Isn't. Yeah. I mean, mm. you're going to be fine. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Yeah, so do you feel like with like EID, you want to encourage more people to like having open hearts and minds and being able to contribute what they think, you know, their perspectives, even if it's wrong. And then once you're called out as, you know, maybe not doing the thing that you propose to do, that it's okay, that you should just accept the fact that like you don't have it right. And that there isn't this like weird restriction on like opportunity to get it right later. We're all works in progress. Like we're all just trying to do the right thing. Yeah, I think so. I mean, like once you're self-aware in that way, you could only get better and it could only help other people get better. I think it's just like that resistance to hearing a voice counter to yours that Mm. is the problem. I feel like there is such a resistance to vulnerability at Yale or like in architecture too, just in general. There's so much just like... (sighs) like tight like knuckle fisting around like ego (laughs) like Mm -hmm. people just like really hate to be wrong um really hate to let anybody in let their guard down just like admit to being vulnerable and that's really strange to me do you like group work at you Mm, i mean how many yeah i mean the during the summer um the last group i was with which I just finished the semester of. We worked together really well. I think we always made space for someone to be heard, mm. uh, which was really nice. Um, everyone got to contribute. It wasn't unbalanced in any type of way. I think group work is mostly about, more about personality than anything else. Yes. But I think once you have a really good, uh, nice gelling group, I think the work becomes really fun and like really easy to do. <laughs> Um, has group work this past year taught you really valuable lessons in like team management and like personality management? Um, yeah, it's hard to say if there's like a set, um, way I'll behave the next time I have group work and maybe it doesn't turn out to be my favorite. I think there's like either two things (laughs) which Mm -hmm. I've seen (laughs) either you've become really combative (laughs) (laughs) and if you're upset you you make sure the rest of your group is upset or you just like shut down (laughs) oh those can't be the two options there has to be a middle those are the only two options but there's probably like a healthy third option where it's (laughs) You be that has yet to person. be discovered. Yeah. <laughs> Get back to me on that. <laughs> Wait, so which of those two do you find yourself in more? No, I just shut down. I'm just like, okay. No. <laughs> no. I just, you know, no one likes to be in a stressful situation. Some people have the personality where it's like, I'll fight this, you know, until the very end. For me, 
if I can opt out, I'll opt opt out. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously, like self-preservational instincts. They're so yeah, real. Over everything. That reaction you described of people just like tripling down and like if they're upset, they're gonna make sure that everybody else is upset. I have also been like extremely shocked by that kind of behavior at school. Mm-hmm. Um but from what I gather that's like not that strange for architecture. And that makes me like extremely anxious about entering the professional field later. Like I, I do feel like I'm personally like pretty practiced in that type of like conflict resolution, but like by no means do I want that to be the norm. Like I don't want every environment that I navigate professionally or personally to be like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and do you think that it's sort of our responsibility to bear as students to sort of like check our peers like that? Or do you think that the school has a real stake in sort of setting the tone and being like, you know, this kind of behavior is no longer um, going to be tolerated? Do you even think that that's something that Yale can tackle? Or do you think it really still is just up to us (laughs) to manage that? It might be both. At the beginning of last year when EID had us do those group exercises, which I think was like meant to really benefit when um, we started working in groups for building project and beyond. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know how many people, because it was just like an hour in like <laughs> August. That, that was it. And you're supposed to like hold on to that. So mm-hmm. um, I don't know, but it is definitely a skill that we all could practice (laughs) yeah we we could all practice and just should have to learn how to talk to other people totally yeah i think you will we will see that when we enter the work environment and i don't know if we could act as entitled as we are in a class when (laughs) but who knows who knows no way (laughs) (laughs) some people might surprise us um i just feel like i've also become a lot more emotionally muscular (laughs) after my first year (laughs) of architecture school um as problematic and not ideal as the situation can be like I do think that a really positive takeaway can just be like increased resiliency everything is really heavy right now and it's been really really heavy for a long time with the state of school and the world with all these protests with both the COVID pandemic and in the pandemic of like systemic racism how are you managing the negativity and are you able to find yourself focusing on positives and like what are those positives like are there just like thoughts or hopes and um feelings around positivity i do it by sort of imagining what everything could be Mm. it's like a daydream like (laughs) Mm -hmm. earlier today i was just like we have talked about this in eid and nomas just like having community outreach that goes to like schools and things like that so i was just like imagining what like us going to a school and having like maybe all these young elementary Mm. school age children just introduce them to architecture ask them to draw the type of architecture they'd want to live in or like the dream house or something like that and just seeing like what comes out of that also just like working um seeing all these other different groups work like the alums has been like really inspiring yeah uh so inspiring i know i think that's kept me sane in a lot of ways um Mm. it's an entity that's close enough to uh relate to and you see them working towards a common goal. I think that's mm-hmm. been really great. 
and yeah, I think that get, that gives me a lot of hope, this energy and excitement to see what will actually be the outcome mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of any changes that are being proposed. I like I'm reading this book right now called Pleasure Activism mm-hmm. by um, Adrian Marie Brown. Do you know this book? It came out last year. She sort of starts to talk about how all sort of organizing is like science fiction and how we're sort of shaping the future that we desire and long for, but haven't yet experienced and how, you know, our imaginations are these like really radical tools for like decolonization and like for reclaiming our right to sort of have some sort of agency in shaping our lived realities. Like this book is really grounding itself in um, like pleasure and desire and longing and sort of all these things that like, you know, I mentioned sort of sitting with um, in quarantine. When I think about like all the support and all the generosity that we've been receiving from the alumni from each other, like all the different um, people who've been working collectively to organize and make demands at the school and like really just trying to retool what the next few years might look like for us and then for um, future students. Like, I think that gives me a lot of hope. And and I'm just really hoping that like, it's everybody that's doing that work and like, not just us, (laughs) Uh, the people who are the most exhausted. Uh, by everything that's happening right now um and like you specifically like I feel like you always sort of like show up to everything with such attention to detail with like such presence and engagement and I feel like you don't really let things phase you or like you know things can get you down but I feel like they never keep you down for too long Mm -hmm. and that's sort of like resiliency and even the excitement that you have, I, I respect that so much. Like I, I need you to tell me like where, what deep reserves of like strength and endurance you're drawing <laughs> from. Cause uh, I'm kind of short on supply here. Mm. That's interesting. Cause I don't really, I don't, of course I don't see myself from how people mm. on the outside see myself, but <laughs> actually, actually one time I was online and like, I saw like it was like the selfie of this woman and the caption was here I am at my husband's office party I wasn't invited if they don't invite you you have to invite yourself and that's sort of like a mantra that's always running through my head like I just like I show up at places it's just like uh, if they don't invite me I have to invite myself and so it's Mm -hmm. just I am always trying to carve out a space for myself Mm-hmm. whether other people like it or not um mm-hmm. I think that's important you know I don't I don't want to be a shadow the whole time I'm, I'm at this school do um, you feel like sometimes that act of having to make space for yourself is like just like too much sometimes like do you feel like we as like your peers and like your community members like do you think we create that space enough sometimes or is it not enough I think we as like a whole student body can learn to make space for each other I think Mm -hmm. we're still pretty bad at that yeah um because I think at first I did notice it and I thought it was like it only was something happening to me until I saw it in other people and then when I see it happen in other people I think they sort of internalize it Mm -hmm. yeah that's just what I'm assuming from what I'm seeing um you know when something like that happens it's very hard to put into words and very hard to voice it like who do you voice that to yeah right like once the moment passes and it's like a day later um how do you write that I think we could all definitely 
learn to give each other space to just articulate themselves, um, mm-hmm. give each other space to uh, present their ideas, which are as valid as anyone else's ideas. Um, mm-hmm. And just listen, I think. A lot of people like talking, but listening is like the hardest part, you know? 